Welcome to Beyond Dieting. We're two friends on a mission to disrupt the insanity of diet culture and replace it with something positive, life-affirming, and effective. We are talking to you if you, like us, have felt like a poster child for diet failure, or that diets work for other people, just not you, or like you just can't stick to anything, or this would work if only you were disciplined enough, blah, blah, blah. If that's you, then we are here to tell you that the problem is not you. The problem is dieting. As life coaches, empty nesters, busy entrepreneurs, and menopausal women, we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach to health and wellness, but we do know what has worked for us and other women in our programs. What's abundantly clear to us is that there is no silver bullet diet or exercise regimen, period, full stop, and we've tried a lot of them. Stick with us as we explore a variety of doable and motivational ways you can free yourself from a lifetime of yo-yo dieting. It is possible to live a healthier, saner, and more fulfilling life you enjoy. Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. And in this episode of Beyond Dieting, we talk about this thing called the weight loss industry and why it's important to understand its direct impact on you. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that we want to kind of clarify before we get too deep into the conversation. And the first thing is that really not all weight loss and fitness plans and the people that manage them are inherently bad or scammy. You know, these creators don't come in and say, Ooh, like, I just really want to ruin this person's life. Right. Like we do think that the vast majority of people that are out there are trying to help you and trying to provide the information, um, that you need and that was going to benefit you, you know, based on what they know and what worked for them. Absolutely. So when we talk about the weight loss industry, we really aren't it's not a blanket statement. And we want to make sure we're clear on that because we've worked with some fitness people. We've worked with some health and weight loss coaches and programs that we actually got a lot from and we think highly of them. And there's this, this um, obsession that a woman can have specifically about perfecting her body and not liking her body. This is what we're trying to address. So the weight loss industry, because it's a mammoth monolithic industry, uh, revenue wise that, you know, anyway, we'll get into the revenue later, but um, you know, it is out there having an impact on you, whether you realize it or not. So again, as Mimi said, before we dive into the conversation, um, we want you to know that we have our own goals uh, in terms of our own you know, fitness, weight, we still have goals. And we love who we are now and or we're working really hard. (laughs) You know, it can feel challenging to be able to hold these two ideas at the same time, which we had a podcast on this body positivity versus weight goals, you can go listen to that, because it is a conundrum. And we want you to know that we sit in that gray area between those two things of wanting to be positive about 
who we are, what we look like, where we are right now versus we also have goals. So anyway, we're going to link to that in the show notes. So make sure and listen to that. It's a good one. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating concept, right? Loving your body, loving yourself and wanting to change it and improve it. But I mean, I think they do that in so many other areas of our life. So to think that we wouldn't also bring that to our bodies would, would be a little bit silly. Um, you know, but, but all that being said, there is this massive weight loss industry and there's a thing called diet culture. So they're a little bit different. Um, and there's not like this, um, what was the guy behind the Oz? What was he in the back? There's like, like the wizard behind the curtain. Yeah, there's no wizard like behind a curtain manipulating all of this. You know, yeah. it, it is kind of a massive thing. There's no evil, evil villain up there at the top. Um, but the weight loss industry as a whole is not helping a large percentage of the people um, who are dumping money and more money and they're hard, more hard money into it. Um, you might be one of them. I know I have been one of them and I can still get sucked into it even though like intellectually I'm trying not to buy that magic pill or that perfect piece of equipment for my home. Um, but they, you know, they've, they've got some master marketing switches back there. Yeah. So I'm just underlining and, and, you know, reiterating, there is no evil genius that we're against here. It's just the industry's gotten very large and it ends up impacting us as individuals. So let's talk about what the weight loss industry actually is on, on a level that most people can understand. So what is it exactly? Well, it includes, or it looks like in real life, um, your gym memberships, the diet books that you purchase, um, supplements that you try and then forget about, and then they sit in your cabinet forever, um, fitness programs that you try, you, you do really well for a certain amount of time, and then you stop, um, weight loss programs that you purchase, fat camps. Can you believe there's actually this thing called fat camp? You know, to send your kid to fat camp, what a nice statement that is. Um, lists of good and bad foods that change constantly. If you're paying attention to this industry kind of setup for what you should and shouldn't do, it's it's so frustrating because it changes constantly. Um, now we have this ever-growing number of apps for tracking and counting everything from calories to water intake to movement, fitness watches and trackers. Um, and, and Mimi, right? We love these. We use a lot of this stuff. Yeah. We're anti that, but you know, look how big the industry is. Look how much it includes. You, you can see why it's a you know, big industry. Oh yeah. I mean, I love that my um, watch tracks my steps, you know, it dings on the hour to remind me to drink water. I have like a water app. I don't always hop up and drink my water, you know, but it's like, you know, these little reminders because I know when I drink more water, my skin looks better. I feel better. My digestive system works better. My skin looks better. You know, it's like all of these things that feed me in a really positive way. So, and, you know, I have fitness equipment that I love. I have fitness equipment that gathered dust because, you know, it didn't quite live up to that hype or it was so hard and complicated. I could never get comfortable with it. Um, so most of us have some of these things and love them. Um, and that's why this industry is growing, continues to grow. And it's, it's at a fast pace. 
The BBC actually put out a report that said the global market for the weight loss products and services should go from 254.9 billion in 2021, and that by 2026, that number is going to be 377.3 billion. Like that is fast growth and a lot of it. It's this obsession and this need that we have to have this perfect body, right? Right. And it's, it's based on, here's the part that's slightly too majorly problematic is the whole industry premise is, and the reason they can make so much money is they feed on your negative thoughts about yourself. They tell you that there's always something to improve, that you just have to keep going, try something new. Here's the new thing that works. And so it's all based on the fact that you're not working, that there's something broken about where you are. Um, now, again, like we said, uh, a lot of individuals with products are thinking, I want to help these individuals. They're not thinking, I want to make these people feel bad about themselves. But the net effect for a lot of people is that exactly. They just feel like there's always something to improve. There's always something wrong. And that's a that's a tough mental habit to be in. And I think too, Lee, that a lot of that, because somebody can come up with something that they think is really helpful, but just the marketing industry for products has gotten, you know, so harsh and negative based, you know, so it's like, oh, let's tell them, let's just slam into the them all the things that are wrong with them and that this thing that you created will fix them. And I think it's this, like you said, it's like marketing to your greatest fears, mm-hmm. right? Which is what, unfortunately, quote unquote, good marketing is. It it preys on your fears. It's good to be, you know, aware of that. And again, we have a lot of this stuff and we're not anti some of the stuff we listed, but um, let's, let's move into diet culture because it is distinct from the weight loss industry. They work together, of course, and they exist together. They, it's almost like they need each other, but diet culture is slightly different, um, Diet culture is how people think about weight and fitness for themselves. It's what they believe is good or bad and how they, it's also how they treat each other and themselves as a result, right? For example, there, there is sort of an obvious fat phobia in our culture. It's also kind of an aging phobia. (laughs) I'll just throw that into the mix, but you know, our culture really values youth and fitness and thinness. And um, because culture is made up of people, it ends up being people around you are fat phobic. The individuals in your life, your boss, your coworker, your neighbor, um, the person you're dating, your kid, probably not your kids as much, but uh, your family may be judging you they don't mean to but they've been sucked up everyone's been sucked into diet culture and this constant judging that you're not perfect you're not where you know culture thinks you should be yeah um and it impacts you in ways that are sneaky right like it's it's not like you can see it you know, and it's just sitting in front of you. And so, oh, there's that huge boulder of diet culture. Let me walk around it. So, you know, I don't get into it. It's a little sneaky. And you're talking to me, Lee, about um, something that the National Eating Disorders Association put out. Do you want to share that? I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. So um, think of that maxim around the, the frog putting up 
with slowly heating water to the point that it's boiling and it kills it. The frog is unaware of what's happening. And this is how we are to some degree. So um, diet culture can have negative impacts, just like a, a frog is not gonna live well and have a good life, a quality life and slowly boiling water. Um, so we want to be sure we protect ourselves and understand what is what forces are around us and impacting us. So here's some of the tenets of diet culture. Um, this comes from, like Mimi said, a National Eating Disorders Association. So they have a pretty strong stance, but I do agree. Like I agree with their, with what they're saying. And as we've said, Mimi and I still do stuff to improve our bodies or try to get stronger or what whatnot. But Diet culture, says National Eating Disorders Association, can be dangerous and harm people of all sizes by encouraging disordered eating habits. But it can be hard to identify, as we just said, diet culture when we were living inside that culture, you know. So um, here's some things that we often take at face value as factual without questioning their validity. And okay. um, can I just interrupt? I just want to jump back one second to like, when you said disordered eating habits, I yes. love that phrase because I would never say that I have an eating disorder. Correct. You know, like I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say I'm not bulimic, you know, I, I don't have any of these, you know, eating disorders that you hear about that, you know, we had to talk to our teenage daughters about, you know, that they talk about their friends having, but when you phrase it has disordered eating habits. Yeah. I can see how I have a lot of disordered and distorted and, you know, not sensible eating habits. So I think like, if you can break out, like sometimes when we talk about something, it's like, oh, I'm not, I don't have that. Like that's so extreme. And that's why it's like, you're it living inside that culture. So mm -hmm. that just struck me as you said it, like that's a clear way of how we don't even recognize that we're doing it. But I was just, I mean, I can remember when everything was like no fat, no fat, no fat. So it was like, I was convinced if I ate anything that had fat in it, that that was wrong. And now it's like, no, you want to do that. But so like disordered eating habits is when you are changing really how you're eating based on information somebody is feeding you and you don't even know if they know what they're talking about. Right. You don't know if it's right for you. Like each yeah. person is so different in terms of what they can live with and what actually works for them. We're going to be talking a lot about individual differences here um, throughout this season. And um yeah, yeah. let me interrupt. That just no, 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 no. I mean, disordered eating. I'm just going to take a sidebar on that too. That um, there, there is something called binge eating disorder. This is a disordered eating habit, just like anorexia nervosa or bulimia. This is a, a behavior that is disordered called binge eating disorder. So it deserves medical treatment. You're not just you know lazy and bad somehow and have you know poor moral character, you have a disorder that needs medical treatment. And there are other more like people with higher weights actually have disordered eating. They have actual disorders 
it, and just like we wouldn't talk to an anorexic person, say, you're so bad. Like, I can't, I can't believe you do that to yourself. I mean, most people wouldn't say something, but with people who carry more weight, it's like, oh my God, you're so, you know, I can't believe you let yourself get like that. It's, it's more pejorative. So here's some um, thoughts that we, and, and what we think are facts we take them at face value without question, most people. So here's one. Diet culture equates body size with health. This is one of the most damaging things that, that has happened over the past few decades. That now if you carry extra weight, you have, um, it must mean you're unhealthy. And that's not necessarily true. I know we said that some people at higher weights have eating disorders, but this general kind of truism is saying you can't be healthy if you carry more weight than the person next to you. And um, doctors have bought into this, even though there's no real evidence to show it. I mean, it depends. Like if you're morbidly obese, you know, if you're at a place where you, you're really not living a normal life, that's something else. We're not talking about that extreme necessarily, but that person didn't get there on their own. The person who's morbidly obese, they did not get there on their own. They weren't born to do that. So. Um, the culture and now even medical culture pathologizes body size. And that means that you can think if you're carrying, like, let's say, you know, your BMI or whatever is a little higher than your best friend. It doesn't necessarily follow that you're in, in poor health. That is what we're saying right now in this particular point. So diet culture encourages following external rules about what, when, and how much to eat. So it's not yeah. coming from a place of authenticity for you. Yeah. And it's not coming with what your lifestyle is. You know, I know that um, my husband for years worked the night shift. My daughter is a NICU nurse on the night shift. And so this whole thing, you know, with all of those rules about don't eat right before you go to bed or don't do that, like that doesn't work for them because they had to eat when they could eat. And often it was like when they came home and crashed, cause they, you know, like my daughter has a 12 hour shift with a 45 minute commute on each end of it. So she would just like eat and crash, you know? And so of course diet culture, like, Nope, Nope, that doesn't work. You have to have whatever the number of hours it is before you go to sleep. So these like external rules without taking into who you are, what your body needs, what your lifestyle needs, what your budget allows. They just make me furious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where people can blame themselves for not following these strict external rules that, that may not even, they're not set up for that person's life, but they'll blame themselves and then feel shitty. And that they feel like giving up now. I, I just can't do it. Um, so, and then the next diet culture kind of tenant is it suggests diet culture suggests that people are more or less good, moral worthy based on their body size, which is so sad. And it's just wrong. Like, I, like you don't even have to expound, right? Like that's just wrong. It's just wrong. And I think everybody can listen to that statement, read that statement and know that's not right. But it's hard to believe it. Right. Because when you when um, you feel less worthy, then your assumption is that everybody else is thinking that about you too. So that's how diet culture preys on you. Because like Lisa said earlier, it's feeding in on what your fears are, but it's just. Exactly. 
Yeah. And just to walk around with this black cloud every day for the rest of your life, that's not going to be good for you. It's not good for you now. Um, so another one is diet culture creates thin privilege. I'm sure everybody understands this on an intuitive observational level, which makes thinness a gatekeeper for jobs, benefits, comfort, accommodation, money. Uh, there's definitely this thing called thin privilege. Yeah. Another one is diet culture suggests movement has punishment. You know, it's like you have to do this for or present prevention of being fat rather than exercising because it's fun because you want to be strong because when you're in your 80s you still want your body to be operating in a way that lets you enjoy being in your 80s you know like whatever your personal goals are you know to say like oh you have to exercise like a you know fanatic so that you won't be fat so it's like a right rather than a joy yeah. So, you know, most moms understand, like, if you punish your kid too much, it actually goes against what you're hoping to teach. Yeah. And so do you feel like exercising when you feel like you're being punished? No, you're far less likely to feel like you want to exercise or move your body if it feels like it's this huge punishment for you because you're not perfect. And it's hard to stick with it, right? If something is punishment, like the minute you get step away and, you know, you put a little crack in the mirror and go do something else. It's so hard to come back to it because it was punishment. It wasn't joyful. Right. Right. So another one is, um, diet culture takes the view that fat people, and again, I wouldn't use the word fat, but this is sort of, I mean, diet culture definitely thinks of you as fat, that fat people should do anything and everything to not be that way, even if what they choose is dangerous for them, which is horrifying. Yeah, it really is. And I think finally, um, you know, one of the biggest issues with diet culture is that it overlooks your overall wellness and well-being, you know, that there are so many other things in your life than the shape of your body. And that's diet culture just wants you to stay focused on that. And, you know, feeds into your fears about that. And the idea that you should be miserable until you are thin, you know, and conversely, you can't be happy while you're fat or overweight or, and it's your perception of it, right? Like, so your idea that you're overweight is your perception of it. It's not a real thing. And if you're wired by diet culture and and the industry, which kind of bases everything on this idea that you're never thin enough, you're always needing to improve. So you can never, so if there's this thing, like you should be miserable until you're thin and you can never get thin or fit enough, you know, for most people, there are people who, you know, just miraculously, they thrive on these things, but, you know, it's for the vast majority of people, this is a a really bad conundrum, kind of a catch 22 that you have, you can only be happy when your body is perfect, but yet you can never have a perfect body, you know, and you're just in this, you know, hamster wheel kind of thing. Yeah. And we want you to be happy right now, you know, however you are, however you feel about your body, whether it's the perfect weight, but you want it to be stronger or it's strong, but you're carrying, you know, extra pounds, 
or it's neither of those or both of those, like wherever you fit um, in your personal goal, like be happy now, love who you are now, because this diet culture and thinking the way that diet culture would like you to think um, is insidious and it's not serving you. It's not allowing you to, you know, we talk a lot about getting your genius out there in the world and you can't if you're, you know, your brain space is consumed with, you know, the ridiculousness of the finding the perfect body and being the perfect health and running the perfect mile. Yeah. So what's the net effect? Like here we've talked, we've defined what the industry is, the weight loss industry, we've defined diet culture and it's like, well, great. Now I understand that intellectual concept, but this is very real for you on, on a daily basis for most people. Um, you know, so the impact might look like your internal landscape and the way your thoughts run each day can skew toward harsh self-judgment and not feeling like you're enough or you're good enough or you're thin enough or whatever. Right. And it impacts like the decisions that you make on a daily basis, right? If your self-worth is really low, are you going to go for that promotion at work? probably not your confidence isn't going to be there if you've been wanting to start a business but you're going to wait you know until those that perfect moment arrives and you feel really confident in your own skin then I'll start a business like until I get there I'm just going to keep researching it and feeling bad about myself and a lot of the self-worth self-image these deeper thoughts and emotions become like that boiling water to the frog they start to become invisible to you to the point you, you don't even know what's driving your decisions. You think it's one thing, but it, it can often track back to your self-image and your body image in a bizarre way that we don't always connect those dots, but it's true. Yeah. And I think like, think about how you think about your friends. Like you love your friends, whether they are the strongest, the thinnest, you know, you're not putting that judgment on them. Like Lee would just be the best person ever if she would just like, right. Right. You know, like I can't even imagine thinking that about someone that I love. And yet I can think that about myself so easily. And, and I think what the point we're trying to make is, and then I base decisions from that place. Yes. Instead of like, Oh, awesome. And you know what my awesome self is going to do today? Like think of making all of your decisions from that place. And maybe awesome is a hard stretch, you know, like maybe it's like, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good enough today. Yeah. I guess what good enough body is going to get up and do, you know, sometimes it's like, you don't have to go the total other extreme to start making progress. Yeah. We're not Pollyanna wannabes. Like, you know, we understand that you're not going to feel great every day. You're not, you're going to have ups and downs with this and that's okay. You don't have to jump to total positivity. That's always been hard for me, especially around body positivity, but you can respect yourself and you can understand that you're worthy of really great treatment, just the way a child would be worthy of a really great treatment and being fed nutritious foods and encouraged to go outside and play. These are the same things you need to do for yourself. And um, often we think just putting ourselves in the corner for timeouts or chastising ourselves or telling us that we failed ourselves that we failed is the best way to incentivize us to do something respectful toward our body. 
but you know, it doesn't. So the pathway is more effective to start to try to accept yourself as you are, um, just because the reality is you are the way you are right now. So be in a momentary kind of acceptance and also consciously, more consciously bringing on self-respect. What is, if I respect myself right now, what kind of decision am I going to make? Yeah. And, and I think to, yeah, you're going to make a lot better, not better, smarter, healthier decisions healthier. that serve you. Um, and it's not a linear path, right? None of this work is ever linear. It's kind of like, I think Lee said earlier, you know, it's not the state of total body positivity and life positivity all the time. Um, and as a very recent example, as Lee and I sat down to record this podcast, I was like, Lee, I just woke up in the grumpiest mood today. Right. I was like, does that ever happen to you? You know, and she was like, um, yeah. So it's like, I had to take a moment and think like, what could be driving that? And I know exactly what it is. I'm in the midst of painting my house. And so everywhere I look is furniture in out of place and disarray. And I'm like, I can find a place to record. And, you know, so it's like, I could pinpoint when I said, this is the emotion I'm feeling right now. What's driving that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, get to the root of it. And that's from doing a lot of the work that we do in this podcast and in our programs. Yeah, we have a program called Beyond Dieting. And what really in all the any program we've ever run, we work on this idea of noticing what your thoughts are, noticing what's happening in the moment, notice your reactions, your emotions. And that gives you so much power. We just can't say it enough, but we've seen it with ourselves and it's constant work. I'll be doing this work probably till the day I die. You know, um, it's just knowing what to focus on and how to shift yourself out of waking up feeling grumpy or irritated. Yeah. And, and really focusing on what's important because I can tell you the most important thing in my life is not the size of my thighs. No, you know, <laughs> even if, you know, jean shopping is frustrating, you know, because of them, it's not the most significant thing about me. It's not the reason people like me. It's not the reason people dislike me, you know, Absolutely. so it's like, and I can still want these thighs to be slimmer. Yes. Stronger. Stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to do some stuff to help yourself while you're loving yourself on the way, you know, to whatever goal you have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this awareness that we're talking about, noticing your thoughts, noticing how you feel, this is indeed the first step to almost everything in your life. That's going to move the dial, move the needle in a direction that you want is, you know, this first step of awareness, seeing your internal state and what you say to yourself is just the most vital thing you could probably do. So, you know, awareness is the first step to understanding how to get beyond dieting, which is, you know, the name of this podcast and therefore being able to see um, it in a very realistic and informed way. Uh, whatever it is, like how you treat yourself, what your thoughts are, how you're behaving because of those thoughts, you know, it's being able to see the stuff in a more informed way. Yeah, and, oh, go ahead. Go I was going to say, like, there's big forces out there, right? Like, never in the history that however long history of humans has been around has marketing been so targeted to make us want to be other than what we are so that we shop so that we buy, you know, so that we have skinny jeans this season and mom jeans next season and flare jeans are back, 
you yeah. know, it's like, there's are these are big forces out there and they're controlling your thoughts and your behaviors. And I think most of us are intellectually aware, but emotionally can still be, be trapped and fall victim to it. So, you know, I think just becoming more and more aware and then being okay if you slip up and, you know, buy the next supplement in the middle of the night and just say, whoops, that's probably not going to help me. I'm going to put that aside and, you know, just keep going. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there are big forces out there. And again, it's not Dr. Evil is not running it, but you know, cult, the powerful force of culture is not to be understated. A culture drives a lot of what you do each day. So just developing, starting to develop this awareness and um, so, so one thing, one fun thing we like to do at the end of our podcast for the season two is um, what well, season one of Beyond Dieting, because people are like, wait, this is season. But we, we came over from a different podcast called Getting Rich After Divorce. And so we think of this as season two. So I just wanted to clarify that, maybe. But the song, um, we want to pick a song that is just kind of expressing the point we're trying to make. And so we just spoke about awareness, developing like a, an ability to see yourself. And so the song we are adding to our Her Genius playlist on Spotify this week that reflects this podcast is I Can See Clearly Now by Johnny Nash. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I and love that song. It's just, I love the song so much. Yeah, so go take a, a listen. Yeah, it's a great sing-along song. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Yep. And remember show notes, um, links and stuff always below. So uh, yeah. And if you know someone that needs to hear this, share it, you know, I think this is um, a message and a conversation that women need to be having with each other, you know, and really kind of um, wrapping their head around, you know, their own beauty and perfection right now. Yes. So we will see you next time. Bye guys. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening. In fact, if this resonated with you and you know someone else who needs to hear this, please share our episodes. We would just love that. We also would love it if you would follow, subscribe, and rate our channel because this lets us know you're actually there and it helps us show up in searches, which would be awesome. Please be a part of our community and mission to help as many women as possible free themselves from diet culture so that they can go beyond dieting.